Hi, it's Mimi. Welcome to our new weekly Mimi Moments, a new series focusing on short, impactful excerpts from some of the most powerful conversations that I've had on the show. I hope it elevates your day. And if you want to hear the whole episode, there's a link in the show notes. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. Before I had this company, I was the chief executive of a very big company. I was I ran Hearst magazines in the UK. So it was a big job. And I had a thousand people and I we published some of the best known magazine brands out there from Cosmopolitan to Harper's Bazaar and Elle and lots and lots of, of, of brands that, that you know. But when you are the boss, you don't necessarily get to spend time with people who are the younger generation who are just coming into the business because there are kind of lots and lots of layers in between. And I think one of my um, the reasons that my inspiration really for starting Albright and co-founding Albright, and I'll tell you about my partner in a minute, but was that it was really strange to have a female chief executive. And you think, why? Why would that be strange? That business had been in existence for over a hundred years. It reached a third of women in the UK. It had so many well-known female brands. It had a couple of male brands as well, Esquire and Men's Health as well, but mainly female brands. And it was not normal for women to be chief executives in the publishing world. And when I got that role, I guess, I mean, I was delighted. It was very exciting, but it does start to make you think, well, this is weird. Why am I the only person at the time in the industry and in my industry in the newspapers and magazines, I was the only female chief executive. And that is strange. I was delighted. I loved doing, doing the role. But you do then start thinking, well, why? What are the reasons that there are not more women in these roles, men and women, and, and the perception of what men and women can do? My dad had four girls, and so he became a feminist. <laughs> because why wouldn't he? He had to. And I was surrounded by strong women, my grandmother, my mother, my sisters. And we were sort of taught from a very early age or shown that there was nothing we couldn't do. And so I really just believed there was nothing I couldn't do. I I just thought, well, yeah, whatever, whatever I feel like doing, I'm sure there's a way. And that kind of went through my schooling and through my degree. I did a business degree and I went to a business school in France and I did well. And I came out into the world of work and suddenly I was like, wow, okay, it really is quite different here, isn't it? Mm. That actually as a woman, it is different. I mean, this is quite a long time ago now, but it's different. And I realized I was going to have to navigate things in a slightly different way. That's not to say that I didn't have that inner confidence because I I still did, but I realized quite quickly that I needed to find work in in an environment that on the brands or in a business that I felt passionately about and that I could keep learning, keep learning in. And for me, that was, I mean, I did various jobs, but I landed my, I worked in video games, I worked in communications. I landed a a job, I, I knew I wanted to do something in marketing and I went to into marketing for a big publisher at a time when it was really quite rock and roll to be in publishing. So you kind of thought of an idea for a magazine, produced it, put it out on the newsstand and bang, it sold hundreds of thousands of copies a week. So we did Heat and we had Closer magazine and we had a men's magazine called FHM, which was selling a million copies a month. It was, so it was a bit, it was sort of like probably the equivalent to working at Instagram or something yeah. now. Very buoyant, very fun. Yeah. And I guess my my ethos was always just put your hand up for challenges say you'll do something if that project is there or there's something else to do 
make it known that you you're interested and that you'll do it kind of put your hand up for it and then work hard like I'm I'm an, I'm a northerner and we have this thing about grafting just it's hard work you have to work hard there's no sort of shortcuts mm-hmm. but there are things that you can do hard work put your hand up for things and then I guess over time I developed a, a reputation of being a fixer because I'd be somebody who could, was quite good at taking complicated issues and simplifying them and galvanizing people around a project to deliver it on time and hopefully well. And I was, I was lucky enough to work with people who sort of spotted potential in me. And so having those ingredients for someone who said, yeah, okay, I'll do it, who worked hard and who could problem solve meant that I got to do lots of different types of roles within publishing. So I've, I've done, you know, I've been a publisher, I've run, I was a digital director, I've been strategy director, I was marketing director. I've done lots of different roles and ultimately when the, one of the companies that I worked for that published Elle and Red and many other magazines that you'll have heard of was bought by Hearst, I assumed at that time, okay, that's it, then that my entrepreneurial journey can begin because I'd always had this sort of entrepreneurial itch to scratch. But I'd had bosses who'd sort of seen that I was probably had that itch to scratch and just kept giving me more projects. And when the moment came that when our company was bought... They actually asked me if I would go in as the chief operating officer, which is basically just below the chief executive and bring those companies, two companies together. And it was the biggest challenge of my career. I mean, I I had to go in and manage a lot of people who were more, who'd more experienced than me, who were older than me, who didn't really want to change. Some of them really did. Some of them really didn't. Lots of senior men. And there was lots of sort of high emotion because there was lots of change happening in the industry. And I am quite a calm person. So I'm definitely an impatient person. I want things done today because I always think that you can move at pace and you should move at pace because everything around you is being disrupted if you're not moving at pace than someone else is but I'm quite a calm person so I think I didn't let a lot of that high emotion and difficulty with restructuring and thinking about brands and thinking about media differently really impact me and so I suppose I was seen as a safe pair of hands and somebody who felt very passionately about the brands Um, and I was lucky enough to work with incredibly creative people and I love working with creative people because I think in my in a previous life maybe I was an artist or a creative because I've always loved that my mother's an artist but I'm not I'm not an artist myself I'm I'm a creative problem solver but when I realized that that was how I should funnel my own creativity into sort of problem solving and business challenges and working alongside creative people hopefully doing interesting creative work that I could excel so a lot of ingredients coming together but sort of working in an area and on brands that I felt passionately about really got me out of mm. bed in, in in the morning and I think I think that shows you know you you can't fake that you can't no. fake that passion and I think it's it's something that's hugely important and probably not spoken about that much because it does I think that gives you the a bit of x factor if you are working on a business or in a sector that you really feel strongly about Mm. then you just give it a little bit more I've had amazing enlightened men who've supported me and sponsored me along my career I mean really brilliant and I have had extremely challenging patronizing sexist behavior as have most women but I uh, again there's another sort of saying that and that, that Debbie and I say to each other a lot and say you just you can either you can either let that 
flatten you and squash you and and have you running for the hills or you can use it as grist to your mill as we say which is basically use it to prove people wrong use it to I I actually quite enjoyed sometimes I go into forums and I've got a bit of a northern accent so and I look a certain way I'm I've always been very petite. I'm very slim. You're gorgeous. I've got <laughs> everybody listening. She's this gorgeous, blonde, slim, Scandinavian woman. I look woman. very scandal. <laughs> and you do have that that thing of several occasions where people have asked me the the way, or they've asked me to make the tea, or and I love to turn around and go, oh, "Hello, I'm Anna Jones. I'm the chief executive." You know, it oh, was really quite the fun, actually. Yeah. And then people are very flustered. Or I've had things where people have been extremely dismissive of me at a dinner party or whatever, oh. because they've assumed that I'm someone's wife. Well, I am someone's wife, fab- fabulous, but I'm someone important's wife and I'm not that interesting. And then you suddenly, someone introduces you and says, oh, this is Anna Jones. She's the chief executive of Hearst. And suddenly, oh, they're all ears and interested and wanting to talk to you. And, and I, again, I think you can either find it irritating or you can just find it quite funny and quite yeah. satisfying. But I think you can learn it. And I think that's yeah. a big part of what we're trying to do with our with the Albright Academy mm. is to give people practical tips and sort of pragmatic advice on what they can actually action in their day-to-day life to help them feel more confident. Mm. Because to your point, it's a bit fake it before you make it. I, I remember suddenly being thrust into this very big company in a big role and I had to really think about having my game face on and imagining my armour and imagining you have to be... You have to fill the shoes of that role. So there are certain expectations about how you need to be. And it might feel a bit unnatural and a bit strange to start with, but there is an expectation. And if you're somebody who is, you know, if you're going through a period of huge change, which we were in our industry, if I was somebody who was really temperamental and up and down and shouting and bawling or terrified or overly emotional it would be very challenging for the organization to to navigate that and so I realized that I had to be a certain way and even on the days when I didn't feel like it you know that's what the role demanded and so some of that stuff you can learn Thank you so much for listening to this mini moment. If you enjoyed this episode, we have hundreds more like it. So don't forget to follow or subscribe to stay in the loop. Bye.